Good morning, everybody. Um, we're reading from Psalm 24. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. For he founded it on the seas and established it on the waters. Who may ascend to the mountain of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? The one who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not trust in an idol or swear by a false god. They will receive blessing from the Lord and vindication from God their saviour. Such is the generation of those who seek him, who seek your face, God of Jacob. Lift up your heads, you gates, and lift it up, you ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord, strong and mighty, the Lord, mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, you gates, lift them up, you ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is he, this King of glory? The Lord, almighty. He is the King of glory. This is the word of the Lord. pray. Father God, we thank you for your word. May we now uh, not only hear it, but, but heed it too. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, toward the beginning of Matthew, Matthew's gospel, when Jesus uh, was just beginning his ministry, he began to preach, repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. And who are members of the kingdom? What are they like? How can they be recognised? Well, it is the Beatitudes that sort of paint uh, the picture of the distinguishing marks of those who are sons and daughters of the king, members of this kingdom. They are the gracious signs that the Spirit of God is at work in us and through us to transform us to become more like his, his son. And today we're reflecting on the sixth Beatitude, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. This beatitude uh, gets to the heart of the matter, if you will, and that is this. Jesus doesn't want us to clean up our act so much as he wants to clean up our hearts. Jesus doesn't want us to clean up our acts so much as he wants to clean up our hearts. And Australian theologian Murray Kappel captures how it is that the heart understands the Bible understands the heart. He writes in biblical uh, thinking, here it is, in biblical thinking, the heart is uh, not the physical organ that pumps blood around the body, and nor is it simply the emotional center of our being, as we often think of it in the West. In Hebraic thought, that is in biblical thought, the heart is the core of our entire being. It is at the center of and, and soul of who we are, comprising the seat of all our thoughts and feelings and actions. The heart is the real us, and that is the real problem. Because from around pages four or five in your Bibles, it is our hearts that have been corrupted. So in Genesis chapter six, the Lord saw how great the wickedness of the human race had become on the earth, and that every inclination of the thoughts 
For the human heart is only evil all the time. Well, think of Jeremiah 17. The heart is deceitful above all things, beyond cure. Who can understand it? And, uh, of course, Jesus was adamant too that out of the heart comes evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, slander, and that these are what defile a person. The Bible is conclusive. Our hearts are anything but pure. So how can we apply this beatitude to us? How could we? Well, when Jesus says, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God, he very likely had Psalm 24 in his mind. And so Psalm 24 is going to help us flesh out this beatitude. At this point, it's going to be helpful, by the way, to have it open in front of you because there's this beautiful logic to Psalm 24. It's actually very worth seeing for yourself with your own eyes. Psalm 24 is a psalm of, of David, and it's all about, it's all about uh, entering the presence of God. And here's, here's how it begins. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. There is a God. He existed before anything existed, for he's always existed and he will always exist he created everything that exists outside of himself and therefore owns it all, including you and I. And this prompts David to ask, who may ascend the mountain of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? That is, how can we enjoy fellowship with this awfully holy creator God? Who can enter his presence? And here is his answer. The one who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not trust in an idol or swear by a false god. The requirements for entering his presence are moral. Those who have clean hands and a pure heart, and that's the language Jesus uses, isn't it? Blessed are the pure in heart. Helpfully, David uh, explains what it is that he means, what it means to have a pure heart. To have a pure heart is to have an undivided heart. To have an undivided heart. And there's sort of two nuances to it. It has to do with one, idolatry, right? Those who do not trust in an idol. And two, hypocrisy. Those who do not swear by false God, and it's worth unpacking these one at a time. The first aspect of a pure heart is that it does not trust in an idol. It does not trust in an idol. Now, that language may appear a little foreign to us, but John Calvin rightly called our hearts idol factories. Idol factories. See, our hearts were made to worship. They have been hardwired to serve. But often we worship and serve created things rather than the creator. 
But idolatry is very subtle. That is, seldom do idols look like idols. We're not so unsophisticated as to carve idols out of wood and stone, are we? No, no, we, we carve them out of our passions and out of our desires. The things that we pursue are often not necessarily wrong in themselves. They've just assumed a wrongful place in our lives. They've assumed a God-like place in our lives so that our hope and our joy and our security and our purpose are found in these things other than God. So I just want you to ask yourself just for a moment, what, consume, what is it that consumes you? What consumes you? What do you consume? What do you live for? What couldn't you live without? Deep down, what is it that you want? What is it that you want? And the answer to all these questions may just reveal some of our heart idols. Some of our heart idols. Jesus says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. No one can serve two masters. Either you're going to hate uh, one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to one and despise the other. We cannot serve both God and money. We cannot serve both God and family. We cannot serve both God and ourselves. And the reason God commands us to love him with all our hearts is not because he's some egomaniac, it's because he knows that anything we love more than him is going to betray us. It's going to betray us. The second aspect of a pure heart is that it does not swear by a false god. So it's, it's sort of related to idolatry, but I take it to mean something like hypocrisy. The word hypocrite, uh, as with a lot of our English words, comes from a Greek word. The Greek word for hypocrite um, is, is, is an actor. It's actually an actor who, who in those days would, would play in, in, in plays. They would wear masks, actually, um, that represented, portrayed the characters that they were playing. So literally, um, you could pretend to be someone other than yourself. Wearing a mask. It's the very definition of hypocrisy, isn't it? And Jesus has just so much about, uh, has so much to say about this. Later in Matthew, for example, uh, he will say, Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees. You hypocrites, he says. You clean the outside of the cup and the dish, but inside they're full of greed and self-indulgence. Blind Pharisee. First clean the inside of the cup and dish, and then the outside will also be clean. You are like whitewashed tombs, which look beautiful on the outside, but on the inside are full of the bones of the dead and everything unclean. In the same way, on the outside you appear to people as righteous, but on the inside you are full of hypocrisy and wickedness. To be pure in heart is not just to be outwardly clean, but inwardly pure. It means having a heart that is undiluted, and unalloyed in its devotion to God. James says something uh, similar when he writes this, wash your hands, you sinners, 
Purify your hearts, you double-minded. To be double-minded is to have divided loyalties, to have mixed motives. It is to have a wife and a girlfriend on the side. It is to pretend to be someone other than yourself. Now, to be pure in heart is to have an undivided heart. They will receive blessing from the Lord and vindication from God their Saviour. Such is the generation of those who seek him, who seek your face, the God of Jacob. And Jesus picks up on this when he says, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. But if that is the standard, if that is the standard for entering his presence, of receiving his blessings, then you and I are out. For we don't have clean hands, do we? Let alone a pure heart. This beatitude is beyond our reach. Jesus is asking for perfection. And actually, later in the Sermon on the Mount, he will say just that. He says, be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. And this drives us to despair. For none of us perfectly models any of the Beatitudes. No one is perfectly pure in heart. And... Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. Hebrews 12, verse 11. So how can this beatitude apply to us? How could it? Well, we haven't quite finished following the logic of Psalm 24. So at this point, our heads are in our hands. But Psalm 24 goes on. Lift up your heads, you gates. Be lifted up, you ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord, strong and mighty. The Lord, mighty in battle. Someone is coming. Someone is going to enter. Lift up your heads, you gates. Lift them up, you ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is he? This King of glory, the Lord Almighty. He is the King of glory. Who is coming? Who is going to enter? Who is this King of glory, ultimately? It's Christ the King. It's Christ the King. Jesus is the man of Psalm 24. He alone has clean hands and a pure heart. He ascends the mountain of the Lord, stands in his holy place, and receives this blessing here for us. Christ has become for us wisdom from God. That is our righteousness and our holiness and our redemption. And it's only as his righteousness is given to us by grace through faith that we may enter with him into the presence of the eternal an awfully holy creator God. We ride on his coattails. 
heart is the real us. And that is the real problem. It's not calibrated to love God as it ought, but it is desperately corrupt and inclined toward evil. And so the great need of every man and woman and child is a new heart. It's completely reprogrammed. And this is not only our great need, but it is also the great work of the gospel, which is promised long ago. And Ezekiel, I will sprinkle clean water on you. You will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your impurities, and from all your idols. I will give you a new heart, put a new spirit in you. I'll remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. Right, the good news of the gospel is that you don't have to make yourself pure so that you can come to God. That's not how it works. No, no. You come to God so he can make you pure. In Jesus and by the power of the Holy Spirit, God creates a purity for us and in us. And in giving us a new heart, we can now respond in pursuing purity in our everyday lives. Pursuing purity in our everyday lives. And it is this pursuit of purity that is a gracious sign that the Spirit of God is a work in us and through us to transform us to become more like His Son. So as you live in His purity, day by day, moment by moment, choice by choice, you'll begin to see more and more of God in your thoughts and in your words and in your deeds. You will see God changing you. You will see God speaking through you. You will see God using you. As God refines your heart, the character of Christ will be reflected more and more in and through your life. And the purer our hearts become, the more we will see of God in this life. But of course, we will truly see him with unveiled faces in the life to come. And this is the great hope and motivation for sons and daughters of the king, members of, of, of the kingdom of heaven. So listen to John, what John writes. He says, Dear friends, now we are children of God, and what we will be has not yet been made known, but we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And all who have this hope in him purify themselves just as he is pure. Or uh, Paul in Corinthians. Therefore, since we have these promises, dear friends, let us purify ourselves from everything that contaminates body and spirit, perfecting holiness out of reverence for God. Or perhaps a slightly more surprising voice comes from the Old Testament, from a character called Job. He says, I know that my Redeemer lives and that in the end he will stand on the earth. And after my skin has been destroyed, yet in my flesh I will see God. I myself will see him with my own eyes. I and not another. How my heart yearns within me. 
how our hearts yearn to see God. Now, as we consider how it is that we can apply this beatitude, pursue this this purity in in our everyday lives, I've got two brief thoughts. Uh, First, when it comes to idolatry, we need to search our hearts. Search our hearts. Keeping in mind that seldom do idols look like idols. Sometimes they're just really good things that we've turned into the ultimate thing. Second, when it comes to hypocrisy, we need to protect our hearts. Search our hearts, protect our hearts. Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. We are to live one life and live that life out in the open. We're not to have one life here at church and another life at home another life at work in Jesus and by the power of the Holy Spirit God creates a purity for us and in us in giving us a new heart we can respond by pursuing purity in our everyday lives and it's this pursuit of purity that is a gracious sign of the spirit of God is at work in us and through us to transform us to become more like his son we pray for us Gracious God, we offer our hearts to you today. May Christ alone be our hope and our treasure as we set our minds on things above and not on earthly things. May our hearts yearn to see you as you are, for this is our great hope and our great motivation for pursuing purity. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.